Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Liquid bleach, liquid bleach, Clorox makes clothes bright. But what about these cloudy wine glasses? Add glass cleaner to my cart. Adding Clorox disinfecting bleach to your cart. What? No, for glassware. Clorox can also make glassware sparkle, keep flowers fresh, and remove chocolate, wine, all your usual stains. Rude. Clean anything with the versatile Clorox disinfecting bleach. Discover more hacks at Clorox.com learn. It's time to roll out the red carpet for, well, new carpet. Right now at The Home Depot. Choose from hundreds of styles and colors from top brands. Plus, get free installation. So whether you want to brighten up your bedroom, add a little more cushion to your living room, or, yes, add some VIP flair to your hallway, you can get the perfect carpet to match your mood with free installation. From The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details. Hey, this is Mick Jones of Foreigner, and you're listening to Pansy and Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are part of the vast and always expanding, always music. Every single podcast is about music here on the Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is episode 131. It is the adjunct sister brother, redheaded stepchild uh, episode two, episode 130, which was was uh, elevated by a cover version. We're calling this dubious cover version decisions. Frank Zappa had cocaine decisions. We're calling this dubious cover version decisions. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but uh, I played with a few titles, couldn't come up with uh, something I like better. So um, so again, uh, thanks again to Nathaniel Noah, who uh, kind of came up with this idea and, uh, and gave both sides of the coin. He said, these are the pros, these are the antis. Uh, these are the good cover versions. These are the bad ones. So I promised at that point that I would do the show that was the bad cover versions. The these are the versions. Uh, these are the cover versions that lessened or weakened or marred or scarred an album, made the album worse because of the cover being there. Uh, where you kind of thought, 
Um, you definitely thought, put it this way, you definitely thought um, maybe another original would have been a better idea. Maybe the cover doesn't fit. Maybe the cover is not a great version. So it shows that the band is not very imaginative. It like opens that door to you having doubt about that band, right? Um, or you think they're just phoning it in or you think uh, they ran out of ideas. That's another thing that you feel concerned for when you see two, three, four covers on an album, of course. Um you know, coming to mind uh, is the big debacle over Van uh, Van Halen, Diver Down, uh, Aerosmith Night in the Ruts. Uh, there's a little bit of that going on there, possibly. Um, but yeah, so so our first example here, when we get to here, um, I, I know I think I might have mentioned this last time, but there started to be a little bit of, a, of an argument between Nathaniel and Josh Wood, and I had brought up uh, our first choice here. Well, let's play it, and, and we'll discuss further. Take a listen to this. This is our first one here on episode 131, Metal Church with Highway Star. All right, Metal Church, Highway Star. So this is one that I started, uh, you know, pushing back. Josh had said, I I love Highway Star on here. This is on the first Metal Church album. So this is an album that came out uh, as an indie, first of all. Great uh, Seattle uh, power metal versus thrash band. Uh, Possibly this band did not make it, uh, you know, too far into the marketplace because they were a little bit uncategorizable. Uh, you know, they were basically not thrash enough for thrash and not melodic and power uh, metal enough to be considered, you know, well within the camp of Aussie and Dio and Accept kind of thing. So they put out this album July 84 uh, on Ground Zero Records and then it gets re-released on Elektra. It's a little bit like the Metallica story and of course they went and toured with Metallica uh, later. But... On this album, uh, you know, it, despite Josh saying, I took a little bit of a poll and I looked here and I looked at the uh, the Metal Rules archive and people like uh, Highway Star on this. I just remember as uh, what would I have been at that point? 21 years old and me and my buddies, we were all actually, you know, this is this is still not the era of uh, there being tons and tons of covers and loving covers and, and seeing really good covers happen. As we discussed in the last episode, the bands that really started doing that in a metal way that did a great job with covers were first Iron Maiden and then Metallica. So hearing Highway Star on here, it just felt to us that this is this was a band with many great ideas, and I've often called the Metal Church Metal Church riff the greatest riff of all time. But this album was very good. People loved it. Great playing, great singing. Uh, it's all originals, and then you get to the end, and there's Highway Star on there. So all, already there's a little bit of incongruity, you know, with Highway Star being at the end when it's at the beginning, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you you expect it as as a side opener kind of thing, and here it is a side closer. And um and they get to it, and the drumming is really bad and grooveless on here. It almost sounds like a bit of a piss take. The idea of uh, you know the English taking the piss. It sounds like. They were a little bit conflicted whether they wanted to do a punk rock version of Highway Star 
but it's certainly a loose thrash version of Highway Star. Uh, it's fast. It doesn't seem like it's the right speed. Nobody's performance is particularly great on this, except for the singer David Wayne. Uh, rest in peace. We lost David Wayne and Mike Howe uh, from this band in terms of lead singers. But I just remember thinking it didn't really fit. It wasn't a great version. And it definitely did what I just said earlier, this idea that you lost confidence in the band a little bit. You lost confidence in them, A, choosing Highway Star, which doesn't really fit the realm of this um you know, we're, we're, we're moving forward into the modernity of thrash, uh, even though they aren't a full thrash band. But it seemed like a little bit of an old hokey cover. Believe it or not, even in 1984, it just seemed like Highway Star is going a little too far back. It's going back to 1972, the Machine Head album, Deep Purple, of course, right? Uh, but and then, and then in the version of it, it just felt like, uh, okay, maybe Metal Church isn't as good as we thought they were. Uh, because they are not killing this version. See, that's the thing. When you when you hear, forget about the idea of these two episodes uh, of a, of a cover fitting on the album. When you hear a band do a great version of of a song, you gain confidence in that band, and you think they're a great band because look at their instincts. They know what to do. They're smart. They make a dozen or fifteen or twenty smart decisions across this three and a half minute song. You don't hear any good decisions uh, across. Uh, Metal Church's version of Highway Star. All right, have we beat that one to death? Let's move on. So take a listen to our second track here. This is Judas Priest with Johnny B. Good. Okay, so this came from uh, Ram It Down, May 17th, 1988, and a lot of the same problems here uh, that you get with the Highway Star and some different problems. So number one, uh, so this is, uh, so Judas Priest participating in uh, in the whole movie soundtrack thing. So there was this uh, Johnny B. Good, spelt differently, and that's the other thing that's really annoying. So the movie is Johnny the word be good, G-O-O-D. Uh, it's an Anthony Michael Hall uh, movie. It's a teen movie. He's a jock. It was a box office bomb, 18 million at the box office. Judas Priest was associated with it. So was Ted Nugent. He had a song called Skin Tight, which is widely, widely ridiculed. Uh, so so here it is. Uh, here they are making a song for a movie, but it's on their album. So already there's some dissonance there. It's like, haha, here's our movie soundtrack song on our, our album that's got to live forever as our as our follow-up to Turbo and our predecessor to Painkiller and all that, right? Um, so what it is, it's Johnny B. Good, B. Dot Good with an E on the end. So it's strictly spelled like the Chuck Berry classic, the old early proto-rock and roll, proto-hard rock song, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it even has the same lyrics, but what they do with the song is they write a really pedestrian new bunch of weird riffs and chord changes and melodies. It's almost like the the musicians in the band or or the 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 string playing musicians, Ian Ken and Glenn, 
are constantly throughout this song searching for the melody line and they can't figure out what it is and then they play this note and that note and it just sounds like a dog dog's breakfast to uh to quote the uk again uh but uh but it, essentially they write this new music to it it's not very good and you're wondering why is there new music put to johnny be good chuck berry's lyrics you know maybe it's a good idea i don't know but then you put rob on top of it and now he's also searching for the vocal melody throughout this whole song. It just sounds like he never gets settled with what is the vocal melody of this song. So it's a it's a watery, weird, wishy-washy song all the way through. You've also got those electronic drum sounds and you've got kind of a carryover of the old synth guitar idea from Turbo. And it's just a real mess. Uh, they even made a video for it. So they made uh, this, uh, this kind of slow motion, herky-jerky, live on stage, black and white video for it. None of that lines up with this song either. It's the most studio stayed uh, S-T-A-I-D uh, song uh, you know that you can imagine. So it's sitting there on this album. You're hearing these lyrics from Chuck Berry. You're hearing this riff which apparently was a little bit of a cut and paste from the non-LP song Thunder Road as well. And it's, and it's sitting with these other songs that are trying to be even heavier than Turbo. And they're trying, you know, they're dipping their toe in so in the so-called thrash idea, right? Uh, so the songs elsewhere are heavier than this. So it even feels a bit like a Turbo song. Um, so it absolutely doesn't fit. It got totally ridiculed. Priest doing covers is uh, is something you don't you don't associate with them in a huge way. Obviously, there was Diamonds and Rust, and there was Green Mandalishi, and we can debate you know how how big or proper those were for those albums. We'll, we won't get into it. That's uh, not part of the discussion here. But um, so yeah, I I just found it to be uh, a little bit kind of you know and and there's also on here I, so so they did play this uh hang, hang on how does this go and the song is yeah um played during the first few concerts of the band's 88 tour along with the title track and three other songs from the album namely heavy metal come and get it and i'm a rocker see even i'm a rocker you know you, you get that confused with this whole or you know old time rock and roll thing so there you go number two uh definitely not uh not that great a song either uh let's take a short break we'll be right back all right, back here again on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 131, Dubious Cover Version Decisions. Uh, all right, so let's take a listen to our, our third track, and we shall discuss. This is Thin Lizzy with Rosalie. All right, so this comes from Thin Lizzy Fighting, uh, which a lot of people consider the first of the proper golden era Thin Lizzy albums back in 75. Nightlife wasn't so great, uh, you know, uh, and then before that you had the Eric Bell era with those three albums. You know, the third one, Vagabonds of the Western World, was getting a little bit heavy. It's got some good heavy stuff on it. It's a pretty electric album. The first two are quite acoustic. Uh, but Nightlife uh, is a little kind of like a funky and R&B and not very heavy. But Fighting was a great album. And that's therein lies the problem here. Let me get out my CD of Fighting here. So what they do with, uh, with this. So 
Fighting 1975. This is a Bob Seger song from 1972. Uh, it's in tribute to Rosalie Tremblay, who we just lost. Uh, she died November 23rd, 2021, 82 years old. She was the radio programmer at this influential Windsor, Canada station, um, CKLWAM, the big eight. Uh, and you know, it broadcast into Detroit. Detroit was a big booming city uh, at that time. It was it was on the wane by 1972. Uh, you know, on the wane. You like that little pun? Wayne Kramer. Uh, Wayne Kramer is a guy who talks a lot about this. Uh, you know, the state of Detroit as we get into the early 70s. Quite a fascinating topic, actually. Uh, but it, but uh, the thing is, so this is a Canadian station broadcasting into Detroit. Windsor was a pretty big town as well. So there was a lot of influence uh, that Rosalie Trombley had, and she had really good taste. So she was considered kind of a maker, breaker of bands back then. So Bob Seger wrote this song. Bob Seger's from Detroit, obviously. Um, and uh, and in, in tribute of Rosalie Trombley. So here Thin Lizzy is covering it. And couple things about it. I don't think the lyric is up to Phil's standard. And I also definitely don't think the music is up to the Thin Lizzy standard that we also get on fighting. So we've got For Those Who Love to Live, Suicide, good heavy one on there, Wild One, great mellow ones. And For Those about uh, Who Love to Live is a great mellow one. Fighting My Way Back is a cool heavy one. Uh, King's Revenge is a good kind of mellow heavy one. Spirit Slips Away is a little mellow as well. But these are some of, um, you know, a deep Thin Lizzy's fan favorite contemplative mellow sort of dark moody poppy songs that that aren't full of electric guitar same with silver dollar freedom song same kind of thing and ballad of a hard man you get a heavy one so 10 tracks on this album uh nine of them i would say are uh, are just really good thin lizzy songs and you appreciate thin lizzy writing and then stuck at the beginning of this song is this rosalie by bob seger which sounds a little bit like a rolling stone song which sounds a little bit like uh like ZZ Top's version of a Rolling Stone song, i.e. Francine. Uh, so it sounds like early ZZ Top. It's just a little bit too rootsy barroom rock and roll for for the for the regal, royal, awesome, hallowed, elevated songwriting that we've already gotten a lot of out of Phil, but now it's all coming together on this first album. Remember, this is the album right before two bangers of 1976 albums for Thin Lizzy in Jailbreak and Johnny the Fox. So yeah, I had a little bit of a Facebook argument with uh, Fred Tallin on this. Fred brought it up and he really appreciates this version. And, and, and you know, to Fred's credit, I mean, he mentioned uh, also how how it elevates live. Well, I think they all elevate live. I just think it's the weakest track on the entire fighting album i would have loved 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 to have had a 10th original instead of this and uh and it's a little bit of a travesty seeing it first and and even the idea of this rosalie song it it kind of bothers me a little bit that it's like it's like sucking up to radio it's like hey can we have a radio hit uh and you know thin lizzy had a minor bit of a hit with the song but it's like a, they're kind of sucking up a little bit to Rosalie Tremblay, and and they didn't even write it. So it's like the second version of that. Bob Seger did it first, and now here here Thin Lizzy is doing it as well. So um, 
So I don't know. I just I just feel that it's uh, it's uh, for for various reasons it lessens the impact of fighting. I think this is their coming out album. You know, we see with some of these bands, um, and one we're going to talk about in a second. Um, I love the idea when a band uh, did covers once or twice or whatever on their early material, and then their coming out album where they say, you know, essentially we are who we are. No more covers for us. That's kind of a cool thing that happens. All right, so let's move on. On to uh, number four. I got to renumber these here so I don't get this wrong on my notes. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Megadeth with I Ain't Superstitious. All right, so here we are, second Megadeth album, Peace Sells, but who's buying September 19th, 1986. Uh, here they are just covering an old, you know, written by Willie Dixon, originally recorded by Howlin' Wolf in 1961. Here's Megadeth trying to be, a, you know, a more technical and more cerebral thrash band than Dave's old band. He's got something to prove. You know, here he is trying to be the world beating, you know, I'm cerebral and all this. And they do an old blues song, uh, which makes no sense at all. Um, I think it's not even that great a version. I never liked the production on this album. Um, you know, you've got last album for Gar Samuelson, Chris Poland, everybody's on hard drugs. Um, horrible singing out of dave on it you know he's just he just sounds like a like a cat and a cougar and the whole caw you know dave you got you know dave singing period is is kind of like a like an acquired taste but i don't think it's very good on here i certainly just do not want to hear megadeth doing a blues so i thought this was just a super super unimaginative cover and you know even even so i mean here they are doing this after Metallica has shown the world uh, how to do engaging, how to pick and then do, actually it's more in the picking and not even in the doing. They pick amazing, amazing covers and they do them kind of average, I suppose. You know, um, but the cool thing is they pick amazing covers just like Maiden did and Megadeth is just doing the absolute, absolute opposite of that on here. Megadeth picking I Ain't Superstitious is 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 akin to the whole idea that I don't know how much I talked about this in the last episode. I thought I got to the end and left it out, but... Um, you know, this this also all came up because of the Deep Purple Turning to Crime album and, and talking with Pete Pardo when we did a show on that. And then um and then also I, I went on a show uh you know months ago on doing Rush Feedback 2.0. So Megadeth picking this is is like like the horrible picks that Rush did for feedback and the horrible picks that Deep Purple did for turning to crime. It's just a, just a really, really bad idea. And it absolutely uh, denigrates, lowers, weakens, scars, mars uh, this Peace Sells But Who's Buying album. And then what do they do on the next album? So far, so good, so what? They cover the Sex Pistols Anarchy in the, in the UK. Now, that's a little bit better of a cover, but still... Um, Dave's writing was so exciting and interesting and technical. Uh, you just wanted to hear the purity of Dave Mustaine's writing uh, on these records. And it just it just smacked of trying to get a hit, trying to be a novelty guy, trying to make a little joke. Uh, these boots, right? I ain't I ain't superstitious. Uh, so and, and anarchy in the UK. And then they and then they 
participated a lot in the covers thing. They had a whole covers, you know, uh, they're, they're always on, on, on all the soundtrack albums and tribute albums. And I remember um, it's Paranoid they did, right? Uh, did a really, really stonk and cool version of Paranoid, I thought. I mean, the groove they got on that was incredible. And then uh, somebody on the Facebook page, I'm sorry, I'm not sure who this was, uh, mentioned, uh, you know, Cold Sweat could have been in the last episode in terms of elevating a record, uh, the cover of Thin Lizzy's Cold Sweat on one of the later Megadeth albums. So they, they even did covers, of course, later on. But the neat thing about Megadeth, referring to this idea that I talked about earlier is when they come into their own and you, and you know, they get the classic lineup and they've got all this firepower. There are no covers on rust and peace and countdown to extinction and euthanasia, which are my three favorite Megadeth albums. Um, and they're all in a row. There are no covers. So that's what you love. You, you, you want to hear Dave's amazing writing. Um, and, and just let's not have the destruction, uh, distraction and, uh, you know, symphony of destruction of covers, uh, especially ones like I Ain't Superstitious. All right, let's move on. Speaking of mechanics with an X, um, Megadeth there. Um, <laughs> UFO, uh, take a listen to this. This is from Mechanics, from UFO Mechanics. This is something else. Right, so this is our fifth and last example here. February 1982, UFO put out the third album of the Paul Chapman Tonka era, Mechanics, uh, on our video show that uh, I do with Marco and our phalanx of guests uh, sometimes on, on solo shows, but our, our kind Patreons over there at Contrarians, we actually uh, have had a lot of panels uh, with them on various topics, but my favorite ones are the ones when we do it on one album. We we did a big panel on UFO mechanics, and you can see that up on YouTube. It's it's really cool. I, a lot of smart guys we have as uh, as Patreons over there, and so the panel base basically deconstructed this whole album uh, every which way to Sunday which was really cool. So you can see more on something else there. But so this is UFO covering something else. It's, it's the old Eddie Cochran tune. Remember they have the, uh, the history of this with having a hit in the Mick Bolton era with come on everybody. And then later on, uh, on lights out, they covered alone again, or I'm pretty sure it's lights out, uh, you know, which the damned also covered as well. And that's kind of a cool, weird cover to do, uh, kind of, um, you know, obscure and they do a good job with it as does the damned. Um, but here it, it just doesn't fit. You know, UFO is trying to do too many things. They're trying to be a heavy metal band. They're trying to be kind of like an AOR band. This is the dawn of, uh, of the John Mellon camps and Sammy Hager's moving along and you've got night Ranger. So this is this pre hair metal era, 1982, but uh, so they're trying to participate a little bit in that. They're they're you know Phil Phil Mogg's got his hand full hands full trying to be uh, you know a a third rate Bruce Springsteen, uh, you know just like a like a Phil line. Did I ever do that Springsteen show yet? Uh, I don't think I did. Uh, but I've always meant to meant to do one of those. But anyways, so UFO is trying to do a lot of different things, and then they stick this cover of something else in here, which is horrible. Um, it's got this this 
kind of dumb sax line that's added in by Neil Carter. It just, it just, it's distracting. It, It isn't needed to be there because, you know, a little bit like, like Judas Priest with Johnny B. Good, UFO in this version of something else kind of throws in a few extra chord shapes uh, in the verse. Um, so, they're, so they're trying to dress it up and make it a little more heavy metal. But then it comes to the chorus and you've got this sax put in there, um, which just just kind of ruins the whole thing. I, I think if they might, it maybe if they would have stuck to a... Um, a straight hard rock version of this, it would have felt a little bit better. Um, and I must say that Andy Parker's drumming on this is not very good either. Uh, he doesn't really find a groove. It it seems rushed. It seems a little punky. Again, to to reference an earlier song, it feels a little bit like the Highway Star um, situation. Uh, you know, their last cover was Mystery Train on No Place to Run, so the first of the Paul Chapman era, and that is the the way, uh, you know, Dave Mustaine and UFO both should listen to this. Um, that is the way, um, I think, to do a cool hard rock cover of an old, you know, traditional blues standard. That's a Junior Parker, Sam Phillips song. Uh, but Mystery Train is a is a heavy, punchy, cool addition to No Place to Run. I think it adds a little dimension to it. It just feels like a hard rock song on there. You don't even have to necessarily know that it's a cover. So it's a little bit like an Aerosmith song that's put on No Place to Run. So I, I really like that. Uh, but something else just sticks out here as a band grasping at straws, possibly tired, possibly too drugged out to write uh, songs, uh, possibly that cynical thing about looking for a novelty hit on this album. And I think it just kind of ruins the whole thing. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that is our that are our that is our our five examples. Uh, Nathaniel Noah also had some other ones he brought up. I'm just going to shoot these out here. Uh, Kansas bringing it back. J.J. Kale, Coroner doing Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Slayer doing Dissident Aggressor. Judas Priest. I don't know. That was a pretty cool cover. I think a lot of people really like that. Um, Hellstar, He's a Woman, She's a Man, Scorpions from a Distant Thunder, Flotsam and Jetsam, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Elton John. I certainly really hated uh, hearing that on there. No Place for Disgrace. Artillery doing Razamanaz by Nazareth from uh, By Inheritance. And Toxic doing Out on the Tiles by Led Zeppelin uh, on the Think This album. So yeah, good choices for uh, for negative ones. Neil Miller from South Africa, my South African friend who always comes up with lots of ideas and lots of good examples. He's got a long list of... Uh, um, that he um, sent over to me of these. And I just want to mention a few um, that I really could have picked actually uh, and done uh, as the examples on here. But uh, The Cult, Born to be Wild on Electric. That's one that a lot of people really, really hate hearing on there. Rainbow, Black Sheep of the Family, the ba- the song that got Rainbow going uh, uh, by Qu- uh, Quatermass. Uh, so so that's the song that they kind of kind of uh, did as a as a test run with Ronnie and said okay I'm gonna I'm Richie says I'm gonna make my own band here and they stick it on the album I never liked the song I don't think it fits very well it certainly doesn't fit the castle moat rock magic of uh, of rainbow moving forward especially on rising I think it's a it's kind of a, just a dumb little goofy song um, Neil Miller also mentions Bruce Dickinson all the young dudes on tattooed millionaire great choice Neil absolutely that that was a, a kind of a low point on that album and motorhead cat scratch fever on march or die yeah that was a horrible horrible thing to hear on there i never liked that song very much anyways um but hearing motorhead cover it is just not cool 
and it's and it's on the worst Motorhead album. Uh, he mentions a lot more here: uh, Manic Street Preachers, Damn Dog, and Generation Terrorist, The Who, Please, 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 on My Generation, Van Halen, AA Political Blues on OU812. Um, I think that's not on the LP version of that, though, right? Uh, I think you got to get the cassette to get that, and probably the CD as well. Uh, he mentions Rolling Stones' "Cherry O Baby" on Black and Blue, but I I love that. I love hearing that on that. XTC all along the Watchtower and White Music, absolutely great choice. Uh, as in terms of a horrible choice, "Kiss Kiss and Time." I never really minded "Kiss and Time" on that. I thought it was a pretty heavy song as a kid. I bought that album as a new release in 1974, 11 years old. I thought it was just a good, cool, heavy Kiss song. Motley Crue, Jailhouse Rock. Uh, uh, on girls, 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 absolutely horrible, horrible. Helter Skelter on Shout of the Devil. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not on with that one very much either. Augustin Garcia de Paredes also mentioned the Motley Crue. He also mentioned Good Times, Bad Times by Nuclear Assault. Absolutely, Augustin. I totally felt uh, at the same time as well. I thought that was a cheap move and a dumb song for a band like Nuclear Assault to be covering. Um, Let's see, Gamma Ray, It's a Sin on Power Plant. Twisted Sister, Leader of the Pack. We all know that was, uh, you know, that's the apocryphal uh, song that put the nail in the coffin of Twisted Sister's career on Come Out and Play. So that's a, that's a great one. And Ag Augustine also mentioned the Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. And he mentioned Ugly Kid Joe, Cats in the Cradle. Remember when that thing came out, America's Least Wanted? I totally remember thinking that was a goofy, stupid, oh, we're just trying for a novelty hit move. And it, and it kind of worked. It, it made people talk about the band. But that's not the instinct you want uh with with a bad cover uh sort of thing right um let's see what else we got here yeah you know also mentioned uh you know boc born to be wild i ain't got you we got to get out of this place these are all kind of like um you know live covers more so cheap trick don't be cruel i remember yeah hu huge horrible horrible idea do not want to hear cheap trick covering elvis ever 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 especially in their glossy song doctor era uh they covered dance in the night away which i thought was a pretty cool move covering uh you know the motors um i think that was a was a really cool thing to to hear um i think that's about it uh let's leave it at that i was you know we're already at a long episode i was going to read some of the comments from uh you know the carryover from the last episode which you could go listen to that's about the good covers um and uh but you can go over to the facebook page and read all that for yourself we've got a thriving thriving facebook community um you can support me over at ko-fi, ko ko-fi.com slash Martin Popoff. You know, the idea there is that you could hit hit a PayPal and it's three bucks. You can double it, six, nine, whatever. Uh, but that is my only way of supporting this show. So um, thank you, everybody who, uh, you know, supports week after week and uh, and makes every week uh, squeak through as uh, as being like a, like a regular little job. So I really like that. Uh, Ko-fi.com. I do that instead of anything else, you know, direct PayPal or patreon or whatever uh this week i would like to thank joe back to bel-air expediting he's also on our contrarians panels does a great job uh andy at black sugar transmission again also on our contrarian panel uh and and a great musician of course himself like he he's so modest about all the accomplishments he has he just gets on the panel and talks about what we're talking about um and he does an amazing job definitely uh has a lot of knowledge of music theory and you can hear that when we 
you know, dissect these albums. I want to do more of those there. Um, so thank you, Andy, for that. Bruce Campbell, Andrew Clark, also uh, uh, Contrarians uh, contributor, Lee Clifford, Tim Derling, Michael Gendelman, Jonathan Jordan, Dennis Lawson, Jamie Laszlo, Luca Matosik, uh, Neil Miller, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Philip Edward Phyllis, and Steve Polari. Thank you all very much. Um, Book sales are still kind of moving along. January is always a really slow month. So yeah, if you want to help support me by buying a book, you can go to martinpopoff.com. I've been pretty good in the last couple of years in keeping uh, many, many things in stock and in print. So yeah, there's uh, probably 65, 70, 75 odd titles uh, that I can still supply over at martinpopoff.com. Let us know what you think uh, on our Facebook uh, about uh, other bad covers, but I think we went through a lot of them. You know what? One thing I forgot to mention, Point Blank's version of Highway Star. Back in 1980, their third album, that was really, really talked about for a Southern band to cover a Highway Star in 1980. So that so that that is an example of someone covering Highway Star properly. Uh, that, that was uh, that that got them a lot of press um, and, and a lot of people talking about Point Blank uh, and and frankly it was probably the most famous song they had for for uh, you know for all those years that they were the baby's easy top so their cover of Highway Star you can go listen to that um, I think they did a, a pretty cool version of that so uh, so there you go go play some covers find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. Right now, you can get free carpet installation from The Home Depot. So while we're putting in your new carpet, you'll have more time to take care of the lawn. Get started on dinner. Or just lay down and relax on your new carpet after it's installed. Ah. Get your free carpet installation started with The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details.